Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. everyone. My name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. Tonight I'm talking about a very much ongoing case, something that literally just happened a couple of weeks ago. So while I don't have all of the details as of yet, I wanted to get something out now because the kidnapping and murder of 33-year-old Sarah Everard is sparking outrage and a movement that needs to happen now. Sarah disappeared earlier this month after walking home from a friend's house. The person responsible for her death? Someone sworn to protect the public, a police officer. Her vigil was held recently and things got really intense. Sarah's story is a part of a bigger conversation. Why are women not safe to walk alone? How can we keep women safe? We're going to talk about all of this tonight because honestly, shit needs to change. Tonight's episode is sponsored by a new horror flick that you're going to want to check out called Nest of Vampires. Nest of Vampires follows an MI5 agent who travels from London to rural England in search of the people who murdered his wife and kidnapped his only daughter. During his investigation, he uncovers a ruthless vampiric cult that is heavily embroiled in human trafficking and satanic cult worship. I don't know about you, but I love a good vampire horror film, and it's been way too long since we've had something new in this genre. Visit nestofvampires.com and watch the clips for a preview of what this flick has to offer. The acting is on point, and the imagery is creepy as hell. Give your Netflix account a break and watch something really unique and really dark. That's nestofvampires.com, where you can either rent or buy this awesome new horror flick. 
I've got a couple of shout outs before we get started. I need to give a big hey, 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 and a virtual hug to my two very first patrons ever, Mariah and Shyandra. You guys are just the best. Seriously, thank you so much for your support. I literally squealed when I saw that I had two patrons. One of my favorite things about being a podcaster is getting to connect with all of these incredible people like these two ladies. So again, thank you so, 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 so much. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, it's super easy. Check out patron.podbean.com slash Serial Napper. You'll get a shout out on a future show, discounts in the merch store, access to my private true crime discussion group where we have bi-weekly Zoom chats over drinks and more. Okay, let's jump in. And we're going to start with a little bit about who Sarah was and what happened to her. Like I said, we don't know a whole lot as of yet. This is all just sort of coming out now. You're going to see a lot of updates in the next couple of weeks, and it's a very much ongoing case. Sarah Everard was born in Surrey, southeast England in 1987. So she was just 33 years old when she was attacked. Her father, Jeremy, is a professor of electronics at York University, and her mother, Sue, works in charity. She was the youngest of three children. She had an older brother and an older sister. She was raised in York, where she attended Fulford School. She studied human geography at St. Cuthbert Society, Durham University, from 2005 to 2008. Her former headmaster, Steve Lewis, called her a popular and well-liked member of our community and a lovely, bright, intelligent girl who shone within the school. After graduation, Sarah moved to South London and she started a job as a marketing executive for a digital media agency. Her family described her as being a happy, fit, and healthy young woman. She had always been in contact with them. She was very close with her family and she was very responsible and reliable. So there didn't seem to be any logical reason for her to just disappear, which meant her family knew something was wrong right away when they couldn't get a hold of her. Sarah was beautiful. If you see her photos, she has flowy, dirty blonde hair, these big eyes, and a great smile. Seriously, her smile just looks so warm and friendly. You know the kind I'm talking about. She had a boyfriend named Josh Louth, 33 years old, who is a marketing director. So the two worked in the same industry, and they likely ran within the same professional circles. Sarah was actually on the phone with Josh shortly before disappearing, making plans to meet up with him the following day. But she would never make it home that night. On March 3rd, 2021, around 9 p.m. that evening, Sarah left her friend's house in South London. The walk home should have taken her about 50 minutes. Now, when I read this, I instantly had a terrible feeling in my stomach because my first thought was, wow, she was brave. Brave enough to walk alone at night almost an hour away to her house. I wouldn't have thought twice about a male doing this, but as a female, honestly, I can't ever imagine myself doing it. And I hate that fact. Sarah was last seen on a doorbell camera walking along the A205 Pointers Road towards Tulse Hill at about 9.30pm and four minutes later on the dash cam of a passing police car on the night she went missing. 
Like I said, she called her boyfriend at one point. She likely wanted someone to keep her company on the walk home, and she stayed on the phone with him for around 14 minutes. I always do this with my husband if I'm walking anywhere alone at night. If possible, I get on the phone with him or even a friend, pretty much anyone who's going to talk to me and answer the phone. I don't know if it keeps me any safer, but it definitely does make me feel a little better. Who else does this? You know, you just you feel like if something were to happen to you, at least you're on the phone and can tell someone or, you know, if someone is watching you, maybe they'll just avoid attacking you just because you happen to be on the phone and there's a higher chance of them getting caught. I don't know. I think this is something that a lot of females do though. Sarah was wearing a green rain jacket, navy trousers with a white diamond pattern, and turquoise and orange trainers. She was also thought to have been wearing green earphones and a white beanie hat. There was a photo circulating that shows her, I believe, leaving her friend's apartment that night. And now knowing what we know, the photo is really haunting. This appears to be one of the last photos ever taken of her. I'm going to pause here for a second because I need to make a point. It doesn't matter what a woman is wearing. If you see the photo of Sarah, she's all bundled up in her jacket with a beanie and sneakers on. She's not dressed provocatively, not that it would matter if she was, but it just goes to show that it does not matter at all what a woman is wearing. She is just as much at risk of being attacked. She was just a woman walking on her way home from a friend's house, minding her own business, not bothering anyone, and she wasn't safe. The following day, March 4th, she was supposed to meet up with her boyfriend, Josh, as she had agreed, but she didn't show up. This wasn't like her at all. So after being unable to reach her by phone and her family not hearing anything from her and her not answering her door, Josh decided to call the police. Now, I'm not sure if it's because she's an adult, but police didn't really raise the alarm until March 6th. I'm going to assume it's because she is a grown-up. Adults can do as they please. If they want to sort of disappear, they can. So they like to give it a little bit of time just to ensure that this person is really missing and not just kind of escaping reality. CCTV footage from an estate agent on the corner of the street where she lived showed no sign of her passing and returning to her flat, so police were able to confirm that she never made it home that night. Things happened really quickly from here. Her family traveled to London to help with the search, and her friends started a social media campaign that spread really fast with the hashtag FindSarahEverard. This is actually how I found out about the story. I saw the hashtag trending. I think I retweeted a couple of things when she was missing. So that just goes to show you the power of social media is strong. I live in Tokyo. I'm nowhere near London and I still heard that she was missing. The police agency in charge, Scotland Yard, said at the time, it remains open-minded as to all possibilities over Sarah's disappearance while confirming that a missing persons investigation had been launched. Specialist officers were drafted from across the Metropolitan Police Force, and police said that they received more than 120 calls from the public regarding the case. They asked anyone who may have relevant dash cam or other footage to come forward. Now, during this time, we don't really know what's going on in the background, and of course, more details will be released over the course of the next few weeks, I mean, I would imagine. But on March 9th, 
It is announced that a police officer had been arrested in connection with Sarah's disappearance. A woman was also arrested at the same location on suspicion of assisting the perpetrator. The officer is later identified as 48-year-old police officer Wayne Cousins, and initially he's arrested for the suspected kidnapping of Sarah. Detectives begin searching two different locations. One is a woodland area and one is a private residence, where they erect a tent outside the property and are seen removing a vehicle. In a media interview, a neighbor who lives near the property confirms that a police officer lives at the address with his wife and his two children. They would go on to say, They just seemed like a normal, regular family. There was nothing strange about them at all. I love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in true accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages. So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right. 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland.
one today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. So this police officer was married, two kids. We don't know if the woman arrested was his wife. We're still waiting on confirmation of that. But on March 10th, police announced human remains had been found during the search of a woodland area. And through dental records, the body was determined to be that of Sarah Everard. She was found inside a large builder's bag. I had to Google what a builder's bag is, but it looks like one of those giant blue bags that you get from Ikea. It's basically made out of the plastic and it's massive. No cause of death has been released as of yet. We don't know what happened to her or how she got in the bag. We only know that the person suspected of killing her and putting her in there is police officer Wayne Cousins. Now let's talk a little bit about Wayne Cousins and what we do know about the days leading up to Sarah's disappearance. Wayne is a 48-year-old serving in the force's Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command. He's actually one of the very few armed branches of police in the UK, so Cousins would have been armed on his shifts and familiar with a firearm. The Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command is responsible for protecting government-owned buildings and embassies. They also provide security for high-profile ministers, anyone visiting head of states, head of government, and foreign ministers, things of that nature. So he wouldn't have been patrolling and policing the general public. On March 2nd, the day before Sarah goes missing, Cousins begins a 12-hour shift at 7 p.m. before going on leave. So he would have finished his shift around 7 a.m. on March 3rd, the day that Sarah went missing. He wasn't on active duty at the time of the incident. On March 5th, two days after Sarah goes missing, Cousins, who's due back at work in a few days, remember he's been on leave for the duration that Sarah's been gone, reports that he is suffering from stress. Yeah, I bet he's feeling a little bit stressed. The next day, March 6th, Cousins emails his supervisor to say that he doesn't want to carry a firearm anymore. Now, I don't know if that's something that he can just request, but to me it sounds like he's sort of having a bit of a mental break, and maybe he has been for some time, but more on that soon. On March 9th, He's arrested in connection with the disappearance of Sarah, and we don't know how all of that came about. If maybe he turned himself in, or police found some evidence that was brought forward, we just, we don't know. Later, the kidnapping charge would be changed to a murder charge, and a separate allegation of indecent exposure. So, Apparently, this police officer was accused of exposing himself not just once, but twice at a South London fast food restaurant three days before Sarah's disappearance. Yeah, something is going on here. Some sort of break from reality. I'm not too sure. Now, this was the subject of an independent office for police conduct investigation, an IOPC. But I've got to ask, why the hell was this officer still allowed to be on duty? 
I understand they need to investigate before they prosecute someone, but a sane, normally functioning police officer doesn't just go around exposing himself at a fast food restaurant. And he did it twice. Not just once, he did it twice. Very intentional, and he clearly didn't care about consequences. You'd think that he would be on a leave of absence or something until they determine whether he's fit to be on duty and especially to carry a gun. But okay. So now he's in custody. He's been in custody for a little over a week. And on March 11th, Cousins was briefly hospitalized for a head injury that he sustained in custody. Then he was returned to the police station. Police say that the injury was sustained while he was alone in his cell, which could be true. Either the police are pissed off that this guy murdered this innocent young woman that he's sworn to protect, or the guy is trying to hurt himself to get out of prison and maybe into a hospital. Maybe he's building a defense that he wasn't mentally all there. I'm, I'm not sure. After he was released back to his cell, his head was injured again the next day. So he had to go back to the hospital to get stitched up and then back to jail. Clearly something is not right here. It seems to be that he's injuring himself on purpose. I don't know. When he appeared in court yesterday, March 16th, he was wearing a red sweatshirt and gray jogging pants, and he still appeared to have a wound on his forehead. He spoke only to confirm his name and his date of birth, so we still don't have any further details as to what happened. And he's not set to go to trial until this fall. So we may be getting little updates here and there regarding what happened to Sarah, but we're not going to hear all of what happened until later this fall at the earliest. COVID is slowing everything down, so we're just going to have to wait. A statement released by Sarah's family read, our beautiful daughter Sarah was taken from us and we are appealing for any information that will help to solve this terrible crime. Sarah was bright and beautiful, a wonderful daughter and sister. She was kind and thoughtful, caring and dependable. She always put others first and she had the most amazing sense of humor. She was strong and principled and a shining example to all of us. We are very proud of her and she brought so much joy to our lives. We would like to thank our friends and family for all of their support during this awful time, and we would especially like to thank Sarah's friends who are working tirelessly to help. Now, just this past Saturday, there was a vigil held for Sarah where women could also remember her, but they could also spread the word about violence against females, and it didn't quite go as planned. As you may or may not have heard, we are going through a worldwide pandemic. And so in a lot of places, there are very strict rules and even laws with regards to social distancing. Because of these rules and laws, the vigil that was going to be held was officially canceled. But hundreds of people showed up to honor Sarah anyway. Kate Middleton herself had even stopped by earlier in the day to pay her respects, and Kensington Palace released a statement saying that the Duchess remembers what it was like to walk around London at night before she was married. But because of the large crowds, this prompted police officers to break up the gathering. So you have hundreds of people there at this vigil. There is a little bit of protesting, peaceful protesting, but still protesting nonetheless. Some people there were holding signs that said she was just walking home 
and we are the 97%, which refers to a recent study that found that almost all women in Britain had endured harassment. And then you have the police there. They're trying to break up the crowd. Now, I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but you've just got to envision the scene. A woman is murdered by a police officer while walking home alone at night. A peaceful vigil is held to remember Sarah and to denounce violence against women. But because of the pandemic, we have mostly male police officers who have these women on the ground and they're dragging them away in handcuffs. It's just not a good look. And guys, I don't blame the police at all. They're in a situation where they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They have these laws that they're told they need to uphold, but no path forward when there's this sort of gray zone as to what's right and wrong. Clearly, I don't know, in my personal opinion, a vigil for a murdered woman, I think that may be an exception to the rule, but of course, that's just my opinion, and there's laws that contradict that. I think the key thing here is to remember what is important. Sarah Everard and every other woman who has lost her life or been attacked at the hands of a male. I saw something pretty powerful floating around social media that I think probably all of my female listeners will be able to relate to. It was a graphic of a text message that said, text me when you get home. The post was created by a woman named Lucy Hamilton and the words that accompanied the post said, We have all shared our live locations. We have all changed our shoes. We have all held our keys between our fingers. We have all made phone calls, both real and fake. We have all tucked our hair inside our coats. We have all ran down dark roads. We have all theorized our escape routes. (sighs) It's true. And until you've walked in a woman's shoes, you don't even realize all of these little things that we do, even subconsciously, just to keep ourselves safe, or at least try to. Sarah Everard was just a woman walking home from a friend's house. She could have been any woman. She could have been wearing her jacket and her beanie like she was, or she could have been wearing a miniskirt and a tank top, and it just doesn't make any difference. She was someone's daughter, sister, friend, and she was loved. And before you say, not all men, listen, we know not all men do these things. But at the same time, all men can help to prevent them. We need to pay attention to the way we bring up our sons. Be a positive role model. Treat the women in your life with respect and dignity and show them the way. Help boys to understand relationships with women and how to have healthy relationships with the women in their own lives. Maybe 2021 is the year we start a movement, a movement to protect women. Maybe it's finally time for men to join the fight to dismantle the culture that allows this kind of violence to continue. Not all men perpetrate violence against women, but all men can help to keep their mothers, sisters, daughters, wives, friends safe. All right, I'm stepping off my soapbox for the night. I promise to keep you all up to date on Sarah Everard's case. It's going to be a while before we get answers. But in the meantime, we can all play a part in ensuring that this doesn't happen again. I would like to once again thank tonight's sponsor. Make sure you check out Vamp Horror Flick Nest of Vampires. Give your Netflix account a break and watch something really unique and really dark. Visit nestofvampires.com where you can either rent or buy this new horror flick.
As for me, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Mapper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.